Today on the No Sitting on the Sideline Dad podcast, episode number 34, my interview with Paul Corcoran, one of the hosts of the Nomad Together podcast, and also a dad. Top talk about being location-dependent, life with, living a life with no fear, kids' learning experience not always in the classroom, investing in your kids, which is important. Also, much more we cover in the interview next on the podcast. Let's do this. Welcome to the No Sitting on the Sideline Dad podcast, a podcast about a journey of discovery and conversations about not sitting on the sideline of life. Let's get involved. Here's host Joe Foley. Hey, welcome to the podcast. Hey, my name is Joe. I want to say thank you for being here. I know as a dad and a parent and a busy adult at times limited, so that means a lot. You're here. Thank you for listening. And this is your first time. Welcome. This will be a podcast that can have a sense of community. What I mean by that is I'd like to talk to you. Reach out. There'll be any of topics of being a dad and a parent, being a well-around and involved person. How do you better from listening to this podcast? Well, I hope you take away some information that it's relevant to you and about being a parent and a you know, busy adult and maybe something that, you know, like digital parenting, sugar addiction, mindfulness. You get to be on a journey with me to discover to be a better you, or me in my case, me, and a father, and learning right along with me. We're all going through the same issues. Sometimes we need to find a sense of a community of people who are going through the same issues with us. I know as a dad, I, I love being a dad and a parent, and I know this stuff's not easy. And I'm not an expert, I'm just a dad on a journey of discovery, trying to find how I can contribute to the world. Today's guest... Paul Corkman from the Nomad Together podcast. We talk about being a dad, a parent, and he's parenting from a third world country. What I mean by that is the time of this recording, he was about two hours away from Guatemalan border. He was in Mexico. We also talk about the benefit of living in another country. It could be actually cheaper. Another word that was interesting, unschooling, invest in your kids. That's very important. Lead by example for your kids. What I mean by that is they're watching, and they're mimicking you. I can see myself now driving and saying, somebody cut me up going, oh, crap. And I got my son going, oh, crap. I'm going, <laughs> little me, mimicking me. This is a really interesting interview. Take a look at the life of, of being a location-dependent and living anywhere in the world with your family. Paul, my eyes, something new that I didn't know about. And I didn't realize how big this kind of lifestyle really is. Before we jump into the, uh, into the interview, the audio was a little funky because of um, Skype in the middle, but 99% of it's fine. So let's jump right into the Today on the podcast, my guest is Paul Cortman, dad, podcaster, and co-host of the Nomads Together podcast with his wife. Welcome, Paul. Welcome to the podcast. Hey, happy to be here. Thanks, Joe. I got to ask, you know, with time of this recording, Father's Day is right around the corner. So I was wondering, what was your cool or interesting experience as on Father's Day is um, the stuff like you're traveling around with your family? What was the, one of the most interesting moments? Well, you switched the question there a little bit because like just being a father and Father's Day and with that coming up, like some of the coolest moments that I had just involved – you know, uh, my child's reaction to me or one of those endearing moments where the child just totally unprovoked just comes up and snuggles in your lap and is like, I love you, dad. And it's like, dude, just melt my heart. And that has nothing to do with travel that just, you know, or our lifestyle or anything like that. It's just as a dad, uh, especially because I didn't have a good dad situation. Um, you know, I still struggle being a dad, but when that child, just comes up to me and says, I love you, dad. I never did that to my dad. And so to have, you know, my son, especially he gets me every time he does it. Uh, when he just does that, it's just like, oh man, that lights up my life. Uh, and it's just an interesting question. I, I mean, I, I know I kind of switched off the question in mid sentence, but, um, <laughs> but it was an interesting question because I think Father's Day, you know, it's, it's more than just getting a tie or the little card or the little placking you put on the wall. It's just the moments you spend time with them. I think it's important. Yeah, and that's so true. I mean, um, you know, I have lots of ideas and fun things and stuff I want to do, but, like, 
we just where we're at we had the permission to build a tree house or a tree fort uh and so you know we were putting that together and it's fun because I told the kids, okay, go get the hammer. You can pound this nail and I'll hold it in, or you can screw this screw and I'll hold the screw. Uh, holding the nail was a little bit nervous for me, but you know, <laughs> holding the screw when they have the little hammer drill uh, screwdriver, you know, like, ah, that's no big deal. Um, but to teach them, to work with them on that, um, it, it's, it's the little moments like that. And part of so the reason why we do this lifestyle of traveling, living in, uh, you know, um, how to say it right, not third world countries, but developing nations. Mm -hmm. uh, the reason why we do that is because the cost of living is cheaper here. For example, we live in an RV and we're renting a piece of land. We're paying $150 a month to live here with utilities included. So... Like, just give you an idea, a family of six living off of, a you know, a $150 mortgage payment or rent payment, like, what? <laughs> so by lowering our expenses um, significantly, we're able to, yeah, travel a little bit more. You know, this weekend we're going to go see a, a ruined site and go to some waterfalls. But it's just a weekend activity. I still work Monday through Friday. and uh, But it does allow me to work less. And to be less stressed about money, I still am. It's part of my role or a role I've taken on. Um, but, you know, I don't have to make 10 grand a month. I can make three and we can get by. And uh, and then that affords me more time to build a tree fort with the kids or to go for a walk or, you know, like every Tuesday is daddy day out. And so uh, we're recording this on a Wednesday, but yesterday was daddy day out where we all jump in the vehicle and we take off and go explore the city, the four kids and I. And uh, I couldn't do that at two o'clock in the afternoon if I didn't lower my expenses. And plus, we're also in really cool cities to explore. What part of the, country, what part of the world are you in now, if you might ask? Yeah, so we're in Chiapas. Uh, the name of the city, uh, Chiapas, Mexico. Uh, wow. And the name of the city that we're in is... Uh, San Cristobal de las Casas. So if you're not familiar with Mexico at all, uh, it kind of, you know, it, it goes down around the Gulf of Mexico and up to the Yucatan Peninsula. When it goes down, way at the bottom corner, it meets Guatemala. And we're right, we're two hours drive away from Guatemala. So we're way down in the south. Um, but we're 7,000 feet up in the, 7,000? Uh, yeah, we're 7,000 feet up in the mountains. And uh, it rains here every day. Uh, we have pine trees and palm trees surrounding us. So <laughs> it's kind of a fun mix. <laughs> I live in, um, I'm up in the Northeast in New Hampshire. And um, I, got a lot nice. of pine, I got a lot of pine trees. I don't have no palm trees up here, but I have pine trees. <laughs> <laughs> we also have tarantulas. Uh, so it's, it's kind of a fun mix. <laughs> I got turkeys, so I'll, I'll keep my turkeys up here. <laughs> <laughs> Understood. <laughs> you, you keep the tarantulas. <laughs> yep. Well, you mentioned before something about um, your experience as a dad, and you didn't have a really close relationship with your dad. I didn't know if I'm, how does that affect you as being a father? Is it like eh, you kind of you kind of learning on, on the on the on the job, or are you just like your experience? You don't want to have the same with your your kids. Well, for sure, I don't want my kids to have the same. I mean, I was physically and emotionally abused as a child, so there's uh, I was the target of my dad's anger, um, and so there's you know. Uh, I have some mental disorders, but not enough to say I want my kids to go through that. Um, my, you know, my goal is definitely to be a loving father and to encourage and, and be good with my kids. But, um, but I struggle so much because uh, I, as much as I fight against it, I was raised under an angry house situation. So if you do something wrong my instant response is to get angry. And I know it's, you know, it's part of the male condition that we have, uh, you know, one emotion and that's anger. Um, and I'm trying to work against that, but it's not easy. And so, you know, I, my wife is a, is a beautiful, amazing woman who's able to help me and, uh, you know, bravely step in when I'm angry, uh, and, and, you know, tell me to cool it and take a step back. And thanks to her help and, um, you know, in some other situations, I've been able to acknowledge it and cut it off sooner, but it's still, 
I mean, it's right there, and I do my best every day to avoid going down the anger route, especially because my son that I was talking about, my oldest son, so we've got a, a daughter who's 11, uh, and then three boys after that, and they're all odd right now, so nine, seven, and five. Um, and he, so Josiah, my nine-year-old boy, um, he's the spinning image of me, not... not um, just he acts like me uh, when I was the, his age, and so he's irritating and selfish. And I can only say that as a person who's irritating and selfish. Um, but you know, like he's the one who can melt my heart by saying "I love you, Dad." But he's also the one who drives me up the wall because I see his debating techniques and I see his ignoring his mom or ignoring me techniques, and it just drives me so crazy because I see right through it and I know because I was there and my wife's like he's the one of all four of our kids he's the one who shuts down when I get angry and you know he's the one who drives me up the wall the most so it's it's that weird balance of like what in the world how come the one who handles it the worst is the one who causes me to trip over that wire the most but it is what it is and we're we're trying to work through it it's a it's uh it's a balancing act sometimes. Yeah, big time. I guess one thing as um as a father, I guess do you ever have any father like um hmm, when your kids are first born, do you have any thoughts of your fears of mortality? Like stuff like that? Cuz I I'm, I'm, I'm listening to some father then they mentioned that. No, uh, strangely enough I didn't. Like I I've heard a lot of people go through that, you know, in general when they have kids, they, you know, buy life insurance and all this jazz and um, partly I operate under a, a life of no fear. Um, you know, I'm not afraid to try things, to do things, to live in, you know, the drug Lord central that is Mexico, supposedly, <laughs> according to the U S media. Um, and, and so like, yeah, I brought kids into this world, but, um, I can't, um, you know, I just don't think about, Oh, now I'm gonna die, or what's gonna happen to my kids when I die? Like we we talk about it, we have wills and plans written, but um, it's not something that I'm nervous about or that I think about frequently. It's just, you know, like every day you could die no matter what you're doing, and uh, as long as you have some sort of idea or plan or place for your kids to go when that happens, uh, then. You know, you just move on with life. So it's not really crossed my mind or given me any sort of concern. I think for me, the bigger deal is for the longest part of my life, I was afraid I was going to be the monster my dad was. And I didn't want to have kids and I didn't even want to get married. I mean, my dad treated my mom awfully and I had no desire to do that. My wife came into my or my, you know, now wife back then girlfriend came into my life and was like, Hey, let's face that fear and let's deal with it. And so that would be more of a larger fear for me is just having kids in general. Um, but you know, we're 11 years into that and still chipping along. It's definitely doesn't come with a handbook though. It just, I can know that it's people tell tell you in the beginning, you gotta do this, you gotta do that. And you gotta do this. I'm like, I'm like, I'm four, I'll be five, four years into it. I'm like, that nothing happened. What they said it was going to (laughs) happen. No, no, it never never does. It's different now that, you know, I've got four kids. And so each kid was different and we adopted our youngest. And so like, there's all kinds of other stuff here of like, you know, not raising kids is totally different than every other family's experience with raising kids. There are similarities like when they get a tooth or when they cry over, you know, bumping their knee or something silly like that. But there's a lot that, you know, I just had no idea. For example, um, my son and I butt heads the most and my daughter and my wife butt heads the most. And I'm nervous because she's 11 going on 13 and uh, the teenage years are yet to come. And I just predict there's going to be a lot of problems there. But what do you do? You know? Yeah. Like you said, there's no handbook. You, you know, you're given what you're given and uh, you know, I have some faith in God and like, okay, God, uh, we'll do what we can. We'll see what happens here. But, uh, uh, you gave her to me. So if I screw her up, uh, sorry. Um, and, uh, but you know, uh, one of my friends jokes about, we, um, 
every parent, every child has baggage from their parents. And so I'm knowing that I'm giving my child baggage. I just don't know where and in what corners. I, I, I thought the same thing when my son was born going, what am I going to do to him in 18 years? What kind of, mm-hmm. what kind of trouble can I get into in 18 years? And he's getting, and how much he's going to be mad at me for the things I did, but I did it out of love. And, 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 right. and, and, and as a parent, I try. I try my hardest. Yeah. One thing I'd like to really, really interest. I listened to a couple of your episodes of your podcast, and it kind of made me a little bit interested. Being, it's, it's a nomad parent. I'm no, nomad parents is what is. I'm not from saying that right. Yeah. So we we refer to ourselves as location independent families because nomad it comes with the place that you're constantly moving around and you have no home and all this. And well, there's a certain degree to that. Like for example, we live in an RV, and so wherever the jacks are down, that's our home per se. Um, but location independent is more along the lines of the right way, it means that I can choose where I need to live or where I want to live. So for example, uh, you know, if you're locked in Boston because you have a job there and your kids are in school and yet your family members in Minnesota and they're dying, your location dependent on in Boston and you can't move to Minnesota for a period of time to help out with your family. Um, whereas those of us who are location independent, it doesn't mean that we have to move. It just means that, well, hey, this season of life, I need to be over there. And whether that season's a week or a year or 10 years, you can move around as you see fit and and, and do that. And so um, for Becky and I, we sold our house three years ago and uh, we've been traveling the world since. We, we'd rather raise our kids in another culture than in the U.S. culture where we're from. Uh, we just believe that that's going to do so much more for our kids' uh, worldview, education, and emotional well-being. Um, and so, you know, for families out there who are interested, they're you know, like their whole the whole digital nomad, you know, like oh yeah, those crazy backpackers, and they could just live with a laptop and three sets of clothes and travel the world. Yeah, I wish I could do that, but I got kids and a mortgage and all this, and it's like, hey, guess what? There's 30,000 families doing this right now and in the world, and they're not all from the States. Uh, They're not all English speaking, um, but those are the ones that I know of. So like, there's even more than that who aren't on social, who are anti-technology or whatever. And there are a slew of ways that you can do it. The two main things that hold people back is money and income. Uh, and then education for the kids. And if you can get over those two hurdles, everything else is like it just kind of falls into place and starts to make sense. Like some people object to, well, what about 401ks and insurance and all that? And I, I roll that into money and say, listen, if you can make money without having to go to your day job and you can make enough to afford a living for your family, um, could you also afford insurance? Could you also put money away in your 401k if you didn't have to pay that ungodly mortgage and for the boat and for all of this? And if you could live in a place that's actually cheaper, would you have more money to put into your 401k or whatever? And it's like, oh, well, I didn't even think of that. you know. And then with education, it's like, well, I have to send my kids to a good school. Otherwise, they'll be – what exactly will they be? Bums on the streets? Uh, plenty of college graduates are bums on the streets. So, you know, like, let's talk about, is it the school that's going to make or break your child? Or is it more your relationship with them and their aptitude? And so then if you kind of take a step back and say, well, it's going to be my relationship with them and their aptitude. And then it's like, okay, what's the best method of training for that child? And it's different for every child. I am in no means saying every child should leave school. I'm just saying school right now in the U.S. is designed to put you into a widget-producing job. It's really designed to have you work on a factory floor. Even though, you know, we talk about office jobs and all this, it's designed for you to, you know, make widgets and and push it down the line. Uh, And there's a ton of us, I dare say half of the U.S. population, who isn't working in their field where they graduated. And so it's kind of like, what if you could give your child a better life, a different life that isn't forcing them to sit in school that they hate and educate them in an alternative way 
so that, oh, guess what? They could become an entrepreneur because the basic core of an entrepreneur is that they solve problems and people pay them money to solve problems. So, uh, you know, like let's think of Airbnb, the founders of Airbnb. Mm -hmm. They solved a problem of people want to rent houses or apartments for cheaper or whatever and people have houses or apartments, there's inventory and they want to list it and get renters. Well, they solve the problem and people pay them for that. So that's all an entrepreneur is. And a child just needs to understand that. And it doesn't mean that they're going to create the next Airbnb or Uber or Google. It means that they're going to be able to sustain their family by making money by providing value to the world that somebody's willing to pay for. And that's all that I ask for my kids is that if, the, you know, they're going to need to make money at some point in time in their life. And so they need to understand, I need to learn the skills it takes to provide value that somebody's willing to pay for. And if that's all that I teach them, then I've been wildly successful for my kids. I had a quick question. I mean, you said something about the, the school system point like they go to school and they basically go into jobs and pushing widgets down the line is it, it seem like it i don't know it seems like to me it's changing i don't know what your point of view i mean it's still it's not a lot there but i see that i can see a little bit of it changing it's it's changing yes i mean it does change but when you really look at it like and I, i'm talking broadly about public school even though i went to a private school um private school still falls into the same realm of where you have to show you know, the school system has to show that they've graduated X number of students with X number of grades, that they've passed certain, you know, SATs or standardized tests so that they can get more students, whether it's a private or a public school, their goal is to get more students. And so they have to show how good that they're doing. Well, how do you show how good? Well, standardized testing. Yes. Standardized testing will never I mean, like entrepreneurs most often fail at standardized testing because they're thinking outside the box. And standardized testing is just a one way to measure, uh, you know, education and potential success. But really, when you look at the core of it, it's rote memorization. It's not problem solving skill sets or dealing with the real world. So no matter how much you try to do this in a traditional school setting, it's not going to happen. Uh, the traditional school setting where, uh, and by the way, I've read too much about this, so I could talk forever about it, but, you know, it's it's brought about by the Puritans and, you know, it's silly me, but, you know, the Christians and, and their their philosophy and belief that you need to educate these kids so that they don't cause trouble. We still think the same thing, but if you go back before um, – enlightenment, if you will, which is a lame term because that means that, you know, uh, people the couple of years before enlightened were stupid and that's not true. It just means that they worked in guilds and they, you know, had a craft and they were able to market their craft and invest in their family and their family learned their craft and became blacksmiths or, you know, farriers or whatever it was that was needed. And so much in today's day and age, I have a craft. It's marketing. I help clients sell their widgets. Well, my kids are learning that by listening to my sales calls, listening to my phone calls with clients, by asking what I do. It's really hard because it's all virtual on a computer, but because I work in the space where we live, they get to see more than if I went to an office and did that. They just know daddy goes to an office and uh, he comes home upset every day, you know, whereas now my kids see. And, and by the way, I did live that life for a long time. I worked 80 hours, uh, well, 70 plus a 10 hour commute, um, you know, a week. And and my kids, you know, I saw them one hour a day and uh, that just wasn't cool. And they were too young at that time to understand. But I could see you know, when they're in their teens, it's still dad just goes to this building. He sits in front of a computer. He talks with people, has meetings, comes home. Of course, he's angry because, you know, whatever the day didn't go well or he's stressed or overworked or whatnot. And, you know, like, how is that beneficial to my kids or my wife? And um, so by working from within our actual domicile, I'm able to, you know, they're able to see what I do and they're able to be a part of it. 
um, you know, I told everybody, hey, we're getting on a podcast recording. So they all got on their iPads and they go to the bedroom because right now they can't be around me, mm -hmm. but they understand because they listen to us on the podcast. They have been a part of some of our podcasts. And so, you know, they understand what this is more than if we just did it without them. It's interesting because I see that with my son too. He sees me doing it. All of a sudden he picks up my spare microphone and wants to play and play pretend with me. Like, because he's, he's four, he doesn't totally understand it, but he, he wants to do the podcast with me for the whole three seconds of, you know, the attention span of a four year old. And, yeah. And, but I, uh, it's nice to see that he's, he's, he's looking, he's seeing what I'm doing. And I can see, I can understand where you're coming from. Naturally, kids adore adults and adore their parents. And they mimic and model that. So if we go way back to, like, say, Bushman days, uh, and, and you look, there's actually been lots of studies, and there was no educational system. And it didn't mean that they're, you know, they were all stupid. It, of course they don't know how to read and write because nobody reads and writes in their, in their tribe. Uh, but they knew how to hunt. And how did they know how to hunt? By mimicking their dads or mimicking their parents. And they knew how to cook. And they knew how to do these things. And you see them occupying their entire day playing role modeling what their parents do and to me that made for you know a good social structure of how these kids are able to interact and learn and uh and i think we've gotten so far from that that it's like i can hear people going paul what are you talking about like our kids need to be like tribal kids and it's <laughs> like yeah, think about it in a different way how can i teach my child without sending him away how can I do my work while he's here? How can I inspire him because he's inspired by me until I ruin that? Um, you know, there's innately our kids adore us until we crush their adoration. And I do that. And I hate that I do that. But if we can change our mindset to realize this kid adores me and he is going to mimic me and he is going to play around with that. And what can I do to invest in him in that and help him? My daughter has uh, tried listing. She's 11 now. She was 10 when she started. She tried listing things on Etsy and on eBay, and she's tried different things. And as most entrepreneurs, she's failed in her first three attempts. And my goal is to encourage her through that because I never became an entrepreneur until after college. And so my learning, my failures as an entrepreneur happened when I was in my 20s and 30s. And if I can get her to get past those failures in her 10s and teens, then how much faster will be she be to a place where she's making enough money to live and she doesn't have to, you know, on one hand rely on a guy, but on the other hand, she doesn't have to worry about it because she knows that even if this business collapses, she can start up another one. Or she's got the skills that are desirable to work for somebody. Also, it shows that you can. And you can. You, it's, don't be your fear of failure. Don't don't fear failure. That's you know more than before. Yeah, she's she's quite emotional about it, and I'm okay with that. You know, because I get it. Um, but she is, you know, of our all of our kids, she is the emotional one. Uh, you know, let's not talk gender here, but <laughs> you know. She, you know, still as a parent, it's that same thing of when they fall off the bike and they scrape their knee, your job as a parent is to encourage them, help them do whatever it works best for them to get them back on that bike and going again, uh, because then now they have the freedom of riding a bike. I mean, even as a dad, I mean, I mean, sometimes like, um, not, not gender roles, but even as dad, I feel bad. My son falls down or he's upset and, you know, like I'm like dads, we're not supposed to cry, but I mean. I cry along with him sometimes when he's really hurt or sick or something like that. Sorry, I've shut down all my emotions. I wish I could be that kind of a dad, but it takes a lot for me to cry. So I'm I'm jealous of you guys out there who can do that and can be that emotionally connected with your kids. Keep that up. Don't be ashamed of it. I'm jealous. <laughs> it's 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 a good it's a good way of connecting and 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 um and it's not it's not, show them it's not he doesn't have to be scared to show his emotions. Mm-hmm. One, yeah. one thing I'm interested in, and I'm still interested in what you do and how, how you and your family and, and how you support yourself, what kind of jobs are out there? What kind of ways of making income for a lifestyle like yours? Oh, my goodness. I could tell you so many stories of all kinds of crazy things. And my, like, I've, I've done a couple of sessions of Stump Paul, 
<laughs> and uh, where I stand in front of a group of people and I say, okay, give me a job that you work or that you know somebody who works and you believe that that job is location dependent, that there's no way to make a location independent revenue out of that. And nobody has stumped me yet. They've come really close, but there's always an angle. There's always a way around it. So for example, I know a dentist and it's like, wait a minute, you, you can't travel and then set up like, you know, we're not talking tin shack dentists, like, you know, like, Hey, this is a little questionable and maybe not sanitary. No, she does travel the world and makes probably more than we do because she's a dentist, but she doesn't clean mouths anymore. She doesn't look in people's mouths. Instead, she found that there was a uh, a training or there was a certification that international dentists have to pass in the U.S. to and and it's kind of like the gold standard for everything. And she found that there's nothing out there helping these folks pass that test. Oh, wow. And so she created a course, and now she goes around and speaks at dental conferences around the world, and gets paid to speak, and all these people then flock to her course and she makes money without having to do anything because she just tweaks the course once or twice a year to get it refreshed and updated and it just brings in her money. So like there's always writing and teaching. So you got to think about that. Like, can I teach somebody to do what I know how to do? Yes, you can believe it or not. You can. And people probably will pay you good money for that because college is becoming so expensive and people are looking for more specific. Like I want to learn how to uh, deal with this software or I want to learn how to be a better dad who doesn't get angry. Um, those are the things people are looking for, not I want to learn algebra 304. Who looks for that? Uh, instead, they're looking for I want to become a better bird identifier or I want to become you know, uh, a better, I'm talking to the dads out here like myself, I want to romance my wife better. Mm -hmm. These are all courses that you can teach. Uh, there is, in fact, there's a guy out there who teaches uh, the law of attraction of just like how to close more sales, how to gain more girlfriends or find your perfect wife or whatever. Uh, and, and I will, you know, come to my course one week out of the year. Uh, I teach this course and I make, you know, 70 grand in one week, teach you guys how to do all this. And you can go back and, you know, 90% of my graduates, you know, double their income or whatever it is that they're trying to do. And it's like, okay, so think of anything, you know, and you can teach. Uh, you can also write about anything, but then um, specifically what I do is marketing. So, you know, I own a business. I employ six, maybe seven people now. I just brought on another one. Uh, and so, you know, like they run the actual work for my clients. And my responsibility is to communicate with the clients. So I'm on the email and the phone quite a bit. Uh, and then to encourage my staff and, and equip them. So as an entrepreneur, my job has changed over the years. I no longer do the work. Instead, I equip people to do the work. But um, there are, you name an office job, it can be done remotely. Um, and there are people willing to pay for that. So yeah, there's all kinds of coding and development, website work and all that. But um, you know, I, in my world, I pay a person to uh, do outreach. So his job is to send 500 emails a day and to ask for people to do a certain thing. And, uh, well, shoot anybody with a college graduate, you know, any college graduate could do that. Uh, and he's living in Thailand. He's from Canada and lives in Thailand. So, you know, I don't have to pay him as much, but also, you know, he's got a great life and loving what he's doing. Um, so there's like, all kinds of things you don't even have to be skilled for. Uh, virtual assistant is a great one. You just have to know how to search Google or make phone calls or, you know, take care of things for people, do research. Um, but then, you know, think of other difficult jobs. There's an engineer out there who uh, he wanted to be location independent. I think he was a mechanical engineer, uh, which if you know anything about mechanical engineers, yeah, they sit in the office all day, but they have to be 
there. Like there's large files that they're working on as a team collaboration and the internet just isn't quite up to snuff for all of that mm-hmm. large data collaboration. However, he found out by running a podcast, by running a coaching course, by uh, you know having a couple of things, he's able to teach other aspiring mechanical engineers how to do their jobs better and how to move up in the ladder. And so he's helping some guy move from seventy-five thousand to eighty-five thousand, and you know, and he's making ten k off of that guy anyways. And so that's what he does. Like you can take anything you know. And you could turn that into a location-independent revenue. It just takes a little bit of creative thinking. I have an since we were talking about um, that, uh, I have an interesting about your podcast. I, I'm really interested about that. How how did you and your wife come to to want to start something like that? Oh, well, it's part of like, and and I'll give a, a free hint out there. Of, you know, I don't want to shill my own wares on this, but I've. I'm a mastermind junkie. I'm on three masterminds. I'm opening new masterminds all the time. Uh, and you can go to nomadtogether.com and you can sign up for a mastermind there. But um, these masterminds uh, encouraged me to start a podcast. And they're like, Paul, you're, this is just ripe for it. And the reason was, um, you know, the family travel movement was just beginning. I, I mean, it's it's still in its infancy stages. And there weren't a podcast specifically focused on practical ways. Now, why we chose podcasts was because there's, there's a lot of podcasts and there's a ton of people subscribed to podcasts. And there is another podcast, which is just inspirational talking about family adventures. And so it was like, wait, why couldn't we take that and go with the more practical education focus and the big deal, like when you're running a business, when you're running a community, uh, to get more people to subscribe to you, to purchase from you, is you give away stuff for free. You give away knowledge and information for free. And so that was our big focus. So it's like my favorite one still to this day, I know it's really nerdy, but is episode five where we talk about banking. And the thing that like it seems like really why would that be so fun and it's because so many people come into this and they don't think about the logistics of or they wonder like how in the world am i going to do atms and what am i going to do for getting money and do i need to do travelers checks like my parents used to do and all this and it's like we solve all of that and then we give away these really cool tricks and i'll give you one schwab you can get a schwab investor checking account for nothing and you can use any ATM in the entire world and they will pay you. You don't, they don't charge you to use that foreign ATM and they will pay you back whatever that ATM charged you oh, wow. in fees. And so, you know, when I found that out and found that, you know, it's the traveler's best friend and it's like, okay, well we need to get that out there. We need to explain to people how to do this and you know what to do because you know, invariably one of my debit cards or one of my credit cards will get locked out because we're traveling, even though we have travel alerts on all of this. And so how do you manage that and how do you prevent that or at least mitigate it, how bad it can be for your family? Because I've had employees stuck in countries where they couldn't leave because they only had one credit card and that credit card got locked out due to travel violation. Uh, you know, like, you know, the, it was fraud or it actually got scammed and lifted and was true fraud, but now they had to wait for their credit card to ship, but their credit card was shipping to their home country, and they're somewhere in Asia, and they're like, uh, I have no money, I have no way to access money, and you know, fortunately, because I'm a global employer, I have ways of getting money to people in different kind of countries. Don't think of me as a drug lord, <laughs> just, you know, I have ways, and um, you know, we can solve these things, but... I would hate for a family to run into that situation of where we have no money. We, we have money. It's just in a bank in the States or in Canada and we can't get to it because we only brought one or two credit cards or debit cards with us. And so, yeah, that episode five solves all those problems. And like that, I just really feel is like a snippet of why we have these 50 episodes out there of encouraging people here's a practical way in which you can educate your kids. 
what is world schooling? What is unschooling? What does that really mean? And how does that look like? And so instead of uh, just kind of being loosey-goosey and telling you the next story of how this family traveled the world, let's get down to nuts and bolts and like, okay, how do I approach this problem? Now, the fun part is, you know, I'm starting a business that it's, you know, it's taking a while to get off the ground, but that's because, um, the, you know, I want to serve families and sometimes that means I don't make money and that's okay, but I want to help them to make this lifestyle choice, whatever it is. And that's why, you know, I talked about location independence as it doesn't mean you're traveling all the time. It means freedom, freedom to be where you want to be and you're not locked down by, like I said, a mortgage, a job, or a, um, an education situation for your kids. Or, so like one of them is, you know, like what happens if your wife suddenly comes down with a rare form of cancer and it's only treatable on the other side of the country? Well, how cool would that be is if you could still educate your kids, still work your job, move to the other side of the country so that your wife can get the best treatment as possible to knock that cancer out and you're still golden. Like those sorts of situations, people always wonder, Whoa, you're in Mexico. Like, you know, do you have medevac insurance so you can get back to the States if a dryer, you know, dire emergency happens. And it's like, well, yeah, kind of, we did, we don't right now. Uh, and I can get into that later, but, um, you know, there are, facilities here that treat better than they do in the States for certain situations. And so we will go like, for example, like my wife needed, um, laser eye surgery. And so we went and found the best facility and we, and the best doctor and we brought her there happened to be in Yucatan, Mexico in Merida and, uh, and you know, got it for a quarter of the price of what it would cost in the States. But you know, really well done, great surgery, easy. And, um, you know, like those sorts of things of like, what if you could choose to go to the right facility, the right doctor, the right place for whatever it is that you need. And Oh, by the way, it might be cheaper, but even if it's not, even if it's in the States, like whatever your dream lifestyle is, I want to enable you to do that. My wife and I, our family goal is to help others to have the freedom to break away from the American script. Well, I, answer, I, I said one thing you said, and then I was in your interest. So I'm trying to think of what I was going to put it, but what is unschool? What does that mean? Oh, oh how do I start? <laughs> um, so, like, a lot of people approach this, like, there's a, there's a phase out there called unconference, and, um, uh, and, uh, and it has some similarities there, but unschooling is not not schooling. Okay, so a double negative means it is still schooling, it is still education, but let me take you on a bit of a spectrum. Um, the difference between uh, private, public school, and homeschooling is just the location and who the teacher is. Okay, so you're still doing a curriculum, you're still running through these courses and grade levels and homework and all that stuff, you're just doing it in the house, and oh, by the way, it's super efficient because... I know very few homeschoolers that spend more than four hours a day on school. So just that's one step. The next step is you start moving into this unschooling world of where, and it's, you know, it's a spectrum and it's a slippery slope too. But uh, I refer to homeschooling as a gateway drug for unschooling. Unschooling is basically take the curriculum out of it. And now how do you, as a parent, teach your kid by not like forcing them into a course. And so instead, it's more what's called learner-led, and you figure out what is that kid struggling with right now? What do they need to learn? What do they want to learn? Where are their interests? And how can I help them use their interests, which most of us in the unschooled community have found most of our kids are interested in Minecraft. Mm -hmm. And so we're finding ways to use Minecraft to help them learn. Um, and then, you know, whatever situations come up throughout the day, to help them learn multiplication or addition or whatever else comes up. Uh, and the nice part, since we're traveling, there's a whole lot of educational opportunities around where we are. Oh, like, like what, like what opportunities would that be like visiting historical sites or, 
Um, yeah, it's definitely historical sites. I mean, that's a big one. There's museums, there's all kinds of things, but, um, sitting there waiting for a bus and then talking to the kids about how does this work and how much money does each passenger pay and how many passengers are on that and how much gas does it cost? And so they're running math in their head. You know, you might think of them as story problems or word problems, but we're just talking it through like you would think through, Hey, I'm at home Depot and I want to build a deck and how many boards do I need? That's common math that we all do every day. And so by just walking those kids through that or, hey, you have 300 pesos and we need to get lunch today and we're standing in the market, what are we going to do? And letting them figure out how much they can purchase for 300 pesos. So it's all of this you would call life skills, but you're allowing math and language and science to come into that conversation. So it's a full-time gig. It's way more intense than homeschooling, but it's investing in these kids. Uh, my daughter right now is really wild about experiments. Mm -hmm. And, uh, so she's watching these DIY YouTube videos mm -hmm. and then, um, you know, our kitchen and our table become a mess, but she's learning, she's learning color mixes. She's learning baking. She's learning when I do this, what is that going, you know, cause and effect relationships. And so like she's running her own little science experiment labs right in, she's making makeup. Like oh, wow. I, I never made makeup, but she's making all natural makeup. And it's like, you know, how cool is that, that she's learning all of this. And so it's not just yeah, I know lipstick exists and it's bad for the environment or whatever. They test it on rabbits and it's awful. She actually understands what goes into natural makeup and why it's not as cool as these fake makeups because, you know, like it melts. You can't keep it in your backpack because it'll melt during the day or whatever. And so she understands why they have additives to lipstick so that it won't melt, you know, and all this. And so those are that's how we're educating our kids is by finding out what they're interested in and investing in that putting our time there and encouraging them to learn through that it's um it sounds like um very interesting way to, to teach the kids and 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 again a different perspective and and a different way of um understanding the world yeah and they do and you know like we often talk about how entrepreneurship and how much money you need to survive is different here than it is elsewhere. And there's a, there's a cultural difference here in that the Mexican culture is definitely more of a, um, I make what I need to make and I'm good. I'm not a hustler or going to work 80 hours a day or whatever. Like they understand a balance of life better than our Western culture in the States do. And so there's oftentimes we're having those conversations and the kids are picking up on it now and suggesting it to us. Um, and the nice part is they're growing up around it. So yes, they're going to get my hustle. They're going to get our Western, you know, uh, high ethic of, you know, work, 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 work. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, they're going to be like, look, I can chill. And, uh, and so they're going to have both skill sets. And so I'm really excited for them and their future. I wish that my parents had invested in me like we're investing in our kids. Um, I guess that would be a good, a good segue to um, kind of get final thoughts, wrap it up where they can find you, where, where if anything you have, like any courses or anything for families you're interested in. Well, we do have an ebook for sale, um, the, your guide to family freedom. And so uh, just like our podcast, it's way practical. Uh, and you can find everything at nomadtogether.com. So we have an ebook, we have a podcast, we have mastermind groups, we have lifestyle coaching is coming up. We have a couple other things coming, but if you go to nomadtogether.com, put your email address in there, uh, you'll be made aware of everything we got going on. Um, and then since you're already listening to this as a podcast, on any of your favorite, you know, podcasting apps, which are called podcatchers, uh, just type in Nomad Together. We're on all of them. Uh, every time I hear a new one, we get on there. Um, and uh, so, you know, just search Nomad Together and, you know, honestly, start from the beginning because, yeah, we're 50 episodes into it. Uh, like a Mexican culture, it's taken us two years to get weekly episodes, you know, 
to number 50. Mm-hmm. But uh, if you do the math, you kind of go, wait, that's not weekly. Yeah, that's just kind of how life goes. Um, and so, you know, my kids, my wife are more important than me getting out an episode every week. Um, however, you know, we, um, yeah, start at the beginning and listen your way up. We get better, uh, you know, with like a good wine with, with age. Mm-hmm. But then also um, you get to hear all the stories, all the the information um, another really good one is episode 18. It's called Facing the Naysayers, uh, of where, you know, we, we had people, when we said we'd leave, we had people say, great, hope you enjoy the last six months of your life. Uh, you'll die in Mexico, that sort of thing. And, um, and so we read those comments out on the air and respond to them right there. So, uh, a lot of people have found that encouraging when they choose a different lifestyle. So nomadtogether.com, or just search up Nomad Together podcast. You can get to us from either way uh, and then hear of all the crazy cool things we have going on to support families. Any final thoughts for dads and moms out there? Uh, the biggest thing is, you know, for me, if you've heard kind of read between the lines, for me and my wife, it's being purposeful about investing in our kids and ignoring what we have been taught is the right way and choosing what is right for our kids and for us in that situation. And I would encourage any dads, any parents out there listening, make the choice not based on what you've been told is right, but what you feel and observe with your family and your kids is right. And, uh, and let go of all the shoulds and oughts, and you will be a much better parent. Well, Paul, thank you very much for being on the podcast. It was um, a pleasure having you. I really appreciate it. Yeah, thanks for having me, and uh, here's to being a great dad. Thank you. Well, that's all I have for this episode. I want to say thank you for joining me on the No Sitting on the Sideline Dad podcast. You can find the show notes for this episode over at nosittingonthesideline.com slash 34. I don't want to say thank to Paul Corkman for being a guest on the podcast. You can find more about Paul and his podcast over at nomadtogether.com. All the links to this episode will be in the show notes. And if you want, please comment on the podcast. Leave a comment in the show notes or head over to Apple Podcasts. Leave a rating and review. The link will be in the show notes. No sitting on the sideline.com slash Apple Podcast. And um, hey, check it out. Right hand corner, speed pipe if you're my website. And leave a message. I'd like to connect with you and reach out. Thank you for your time. Until next time, have fun. Get involved with your children. Get involved with life. Because, damn it, life's short. And also, give your kids a hug and just listen to what they have to say. You'll be surprised. Until next time, take care. God bless. See you. Thank you for listening to the podcast. Please subscribe to the newsletter to receive updates of the show and helpful and useful tips. This has been a production of Foley 42 Media.